Leo was from a long time ago, the first one I ever saw nude. In the spring before the Hellmans filled their pool, we'd go down there in the deep end with baby oil and like that. I met him the first month away at boarding school. He had a halo from the campus light behind him. I flipped. Roger was fast. In his illegal car, we drove to the reservoir, the radio blaring, talking fast, fast, fast. He was always going for my zipper. He got kicked out sophomore year. By the time the band got around to playing Wild Horses, I had tasted Bruce's tongue. We were clicking in the shadows on the other side of the amplifier, out of Mrs. Donovan's line of vision. It tasted like salt with my neck bent back because we had been dancing so hard before. Tim's line, I'd like to see you in a bathing suit. I knew it was his line when he said the exact same thing to Annie Hines. You've got a little time. We've got a little podcast. Welcome to Short Story Short Podcast. I'm Chris, here with... Christy Baxter. Excellent. All right, and today we're talking about a short story that... Uh, it's a... I would go so far as to say it's a wang doodle. Uh, it is Lust by Susan Minot. And it is... Well, what was your thoughts on it? Because I think that's where I really want to hear is what you have from this one. It is evocative as hell. I think it will take any woman right back to her teen years, um, some in some good ways and in some less good ways, but ways that are still definitely worthy of examination and recollection. And I feel that it, it manages to, through one character's experience, really look at the phenomena of uh, gender and sexuality, and, and how the two uh, kind of clash in our society. Yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the interesting things for me, uh, reading it as a, uh, a male, oddly enough, um, is that I can identify myself existing in a number of the male characters who sort of float through. Because that's one of the things about this is, it is a story of characters flowing in and out of a young woman's life. And then, of course, hating myself because all of those characters, with one exception, are complete dirtbags. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, being able to look at that and be honest with yourself, that can be a good thing. It's better than somebody who, you know, should identify with those characters but refuses to. Yeah. Uh, which is, it's not a story that makes you cringe as much as it makes you go, oh, that... Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And uh, Susan Minot is, this is one of the things that I like about this is the way that she breaks it up it is not a traditional short story. It's not quite a prose poem either. It's existing in that sort of nebulous uh, place that happens between, but I think that the way the language is presented is what really pushes it. And she actually plays with the form in a really interesting way with one great spot. She actually has a paragraph where she talks about guys' dicks. And right after that, she has the brilliant quote that is separated from that, that says, still, you're never sure what to expect. Yeah. And that, that little bit right there, is she talking about, you know, with guys' penises? Or is she talking about, in general, you never know what to expect? 
of and the experience and of the other person and of the aftermath, especially. Mm -hmm. And that to me, that sort of university, that one little line hit me so hard and it's so beautifully done. I don't know anything else by Susan Minow other than lust. It's the one story I know. <laughs> yeah, this is and my first uh, experience with her and I definitely am going to seek out more of her work. I love the evocativeness of it, how, how she's able to, to also hit you on like a visceral level. And, you know, we, we both come at this from such different angles that, you know, I don't know if that's, if that's an across the board reaction, regardless of gender or experience, or if it's going to be more like, you know, you going like, ah, oh, <laughs> you know, yeah. whereas me, I'm like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and one of the things that's interesting for me about it is there is both a time and place to it and a timelessness to it. Yes, I think that she achieves some of that by uh, not, by a switching around and playing around with verb tense. You know, some people try to get that timelessness by making everything present tense, but she switches back and forth between past and present. And I think somehow in this weird backwards way, that actually is more effective at creating that sense of timelessness than just going straight with the present tense. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's one of the big things that she not only plays with tense, but she also plays with aspect. Uh, there is a portion that is in the subjunctive that is happening in the present, or at least the present that she's describing, which is technically the past, which I guess is past perfect. Are we on, are we on Doctor Who now? What's happening? <laughs> Roughly, which blows my mind uh, just because she's speculating on something that has actually happened as if it were still happening. Yeah. And it's like <laughs> head blow. And not to get all philosophical, but if something has happened and you retain that memory of it, isn't it always happening every time you think of it? You know, it, 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 that almost in a weird way brings it back to life. So these experiences, you know, all the experiences of, of teenagerhood, be they from a, a male or female perspective or anything in between, uh, the experiences of the firsts and, and all that, definitely, they, they live on, uh, what, sometimes whether we like them or not. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. And, you know, one of the other things that is fascinating is that we all, no matter who we are, can relate to one, at least one thing in here. Like the one that had me actually technically cringing is the whole, her talking with the guy, uh, you know, who are you? And then at the end of a conversation that could actually lead to some deep connection, he says, what the hell are you talking about? And, yeah. well, <laughs> not unfamiliar. <laughs> and actually, yeah, feels, I'll be, I've been on both sides of that one. So. <laughs> <laughs> it feels very much like there is that lack of listening and lack of hearing that the, the main character is experienced frequently. You know, what the hell are you talking about? You get in that one case. You get another case where, you know, the, the other participant in the experience is telling her to shush as he like brushes back her hair. And so you do get that sense of, you know, losing your voice or your voice not mattering in the experience. And in a way, by going along with society's expectations as the character does, you know, society just expects that if you flirt a certain amount, then you're going to do it, you know? Mm -hmm. So by going along with those, that seems to be how she's losing, with, without necessarily wanting to, that seems to be how she's losing that sense of self. You're, you're absolutely right there. There is no doubt. 
one of the things that I do love is what she has done that is slightly gimmicky but brilliant is she has saved her big metaphors for individual tiny paragraphs. Uh, my favorite being, uh, you, wonder, you wonder about things feeling a little off kilter, you begin to feel like a piece of pounded veal. Uh, oh. Or then you start to get tired, you begin to feel diluted like watered down stew. And those are all standalone. And mm -hmm. I think that's one of her tricks is that she, she gives you sort of the push of the story, but she really gives you her sort of intention in these very literary, very evocative little miniature phrases. And those those little phrases, they're they're evocative in in a dirty way, and I don't mean that as in like you know woo woo dirty, you know. Uh, I mean it as in like another example. You begin to feel as if you're showing through like a bathroom window that only lets in gray light, the kind you can't see out of, and it gives you that feeling of being sort of both trapped and transparent at the same time, and mm -hmm. uh, like and the you know watered down stew. I mean, it's kind of like well, black, you know, <laughs> like nobody wants that. So they're not necessarily like dirty and they're not filthy. They're just kind of they're uncomfortable and in a, in a way that makes you feel like yeah, maybe later tonight I'll shower. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, I think this is one of my, my new favorite short stories. I think it's really, it's a powerful piece. It speaks to, it speaks to a coming of age that is both timeless and very much of a time. And, you know, as much as that would not be a great thing to have that keep being the fact, it honestly probably will. Yeah, I agree with that. And it, like you said, it is, it is unfortunate, but it is kind of the way of the world that these are things that uh, are a lot harder to change, mainly because they come down to individual interpersonal relationships, as, uh, which is exactly what she examines one by one by one in the story. And it's, it's so hard. It's easy to say, you know, like, oh, I won't let society tell me what to do, or I won't abide by society's guidelines, but then we do it just automatically anyhow, because expectations are there, and a lot of us feel the need to follow them. And I'm not just talking about teenagers either. Excellent point. Well, that's fantastic. Christy, thank you as always. Thank you so much, Chris. I love doing this every week. So do I. <laughs> It'd be good that it's a regular series then. <laughs> All right. So this has been Short Story. Short Podcast. Mm -hmm.